When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Guys, are you trying to stay in 20-year-old shape into your 30s and 40s and finding it, well, impossible? Then you need to listen to this. Beachbody, the company that revolutionized getting ripped at home with P90X and Insanity, has a brand new program just for you called Lift 4. It's part lift. It's part hit. With total body shredding results in just 30 to 40 minutes a day, right at home on the Beachbody On Demand app. That's how you get killer results as an adult. Go to Beachbody.com to sign up now and you can try Live 4 for free. That's Beachbody.com. Uh, it is just the match reaction for, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, Everton 2, Watford 5. Uh, the Hornets came to... It was to, 5. It was 5, yeah. Four when I left. Oh, so so Matt Force going to be just real. You didn't, you didn't actually realise it was 5 too. Oh, you did really? Right, okay. Um, Can we just go around everyone and find out when they left? Because I got off as soon as the third went in. Yeah. Um, I, I stayed to the end. I'm, I'm fairly sure it was 6 2 when I left. <laughs> I left on 4 because I thought I've seen the best here. <laughs> We've had a shot on target. We've scored, we're winning. <laughs> yeah, I just get swapped up in like a big massive tidal wave of people coming out on 4 2 in the upper Gladys. So. I mean, we all seem quite jovial mood after that. I imagine people, people are going to want fume from us here, but. Um, just to clarify what we've got, we've got Mark Mosey, Matt Flusk, Ed McCosh, and Keith Tomlin. Um, Mose, I'll come to you first. You just said it to us then. You were in Mauritius less than 24 hours ago, mate. I can feel not only the tan, but the happiness draining from my entire body. Uh, yeah, quite, quite, the, uh, quite the change in fortune. I think, like most Evertonians, I was looking forward to a relatively routine victory today. But even saying those words just makes me howl in total disbelief of me ever thinking that because despite the fact that we go up 1-0 early doors we just we have this perennial ability to manage to do even the easiest things like see out a game against one of the Premier League's worst teams when we're 1-0 up seemed like the most difficult task in the world um, do you know what we, we, we knew that there were going to be glaring personal omissions today with people like Yerry Mina and Richarlison and, and all of these things that we've spoken about in the last few weeks but I don't think anyone's coming out of that ground today thinking, well, this is because of the, the threadbare squad and look at all the players we've got out. As, as much as that would have helped in certain situations in the game, the team that Everton put out and the squad that we've got available today is clearly comfortable enough to, to go out and, and, and beat Watford. And the fact that we've come away from that, not only having not achieved that, but to take our team to the, the brink of embarrassment and way beyond it, like we always seem to achieve, is it, it, it's hard to pinpoint that on, on particular players and particular manager and, and the reason that that is the case is because we, we've all seen this before we, we've seen countless squads do this we've seen countless managers do this and it's honestly getting to the point now where it's really really difficult to put your finger on why it happens 
Uh, Matt, what, what are your overriding thoughts on that? I think, I think Moses is right. It's hard to sort of pinpoint anyone in particular or where it sort of went wrong. But, I mean, what the fuck happened? You can't even blame the injuries, I think, because depleted teams don't take leads. A depleted team should be able to hold two separate leads, which is what we had at two different points in the game. And my overriding thoughts are it was unprofessional. It was just completely unprofessional, especially going 4-2 down. And we saw, what, three... I didn't see the last one, but three balls across the box swept up like it was just thin air and scrambling to try and recover ourselves and just giving them the chance to walk through our defence and just tap it past Pickford who but for a couple of good saves that could have been even more embarrassing today so they need to really book their ideas up because it was just embarrassing and unprofessional and just it's just very disappointing overall after a decent start of the season two home games in a row they just you just wonder where the next points are coming from I I, I don't know how to put this into words really when the, when the Athenians sacked Troy they hid inside a wooden horse and they bade their time and they made it a surprise to which the people of Troy were incredibly shocked Wofford rode in today and went hey guys we're inside the horse can you see us hello hello we're inside the horse and we just stood there and watched it happen. It was a, a, a truly incredible collapse, the likes of which I've never seen. Um, and that's the fact that I've watched Everton for 20 years. You would have thought I'd seen that before. But a 2-1 up, at 15 minutes left against a very, very one-dimensional Watford side. You would think that Everton would be able to do their job and hold it out. And a lot of people complain at the moment about Rondon playing the 90 uh, Gordon going off when he did but the fact of the matter is if you score two goals at home to Watford you should be winning that match and we didn't do that and, and ultimately that falls on very very as Matt has said unprofessional defending uh, and the fact that we panicked after conceding the first and then the second goal which is unforgivable and it, it's not something you can fix on the training ground it's something that mentally these defenders and the team as a whole need to sort out as quickly as possible because better teams will do that to us again and again and again until we get it right uh, Keith we were winning that football match of 13 minutes to go well I didn't think we were getting Greek mythology tonight but I'm, <laughs> I'm going to continue in the same vein and this I mean is, this is all very far too philosophical for honestly far, far too defeat to there's, there's some people who say that Icarus fucked himself off in the sun after watching Everton try and defend a lead um it's Matt, Matt's nailed it there it's, it's embarrassing it is unprofessional um, there's 11 footballers there maybe more I, I don't even know how many got involved in the end they, they won't be able to, they shouldn't be able to look themselves in the mirror after that it was fucking embarrassing it was disgraceful um, they're not fit to represent Everton Football Club playing like that um, it's on the manager as well the substitutions are disgusting you, if you bring off your two most direct players and leave on the most ineffective striker we've seen at Goodison in the last... Like, Strachwellersi, I'm going back to Strachwellersi, you knew what you got with him. He was terrible, but he never stopped putting himself about as long as he was on the pitch. Rondon, I don't think, got out of a 20-yard sphere of influence today. Um, and he's just... It, what is the point in him? What do... Why have we signed him? What does he do? Like, 
just I'm um, yeah I, I'm glad I got off on three because if I'd wa- <laughs> genuinely reckon if I'd watched the other two I'd have ended up on the pitch trying to fight somebody it was just one of them days it was horrible in, in Rondon's defence he's not the most ineffective striker to play Everton in decades because I played there five years ago when I was shocking <laughs> so fair play to him I'm not sure about that I don't think you would have done a better job up top today I, I know we'll come back to a couple of individuals and, and Rondon is absolutely one of them but I think the summary today is obviously the, the nature of the collapse and I think when you when you're chasing the game at 3-2 and and obviously the two goals have gone in in quick succession and you feel like there's this enormous urgency to get back into the game and, and obviously there is but you've, you've got to be very intelligent about how you go back in, in terms of getting back into the game at that point and do you know what if, if Everton put loads of pressure on Watford in the last what was it 30 minutes as you said and we get picked off at a counter attack and, and I think the nature in which you can see goals can quite often be well do you know what we had we to go and this is kind of what happens when you go for it. It, it it very much wasn't like that today Everton were totally out of ideas made a couple of pragmatic choices in terms of substitutions by, by take, bringing Alex Awobi on how, how pragmatic that man could ever be described as we'll, we'll gloss way over that but I think the, the nature of the collapse was probably the most disappointing element for me it, it wasn't because of that gung-ho mentality you know that, that throwing everything at, at Watford it was, it was pure carelessness and a total lack of effort and I think the, the goal that really summarised it for me today was forgive me I'm, I'm fig- <laughs> trying to figure out which one it was but it was Watford's fourth where both of our central midfielders shit out the challenges in the middle of the park and they break away and score a goal and the, 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 I mean the, the fact that it was Josh King is just classic laughable Everton but we, we, we spoke so much in the week in all the shows that we've done about how we account for certain individuals and, and one of them was obviously Abdelaide Decore and I think that they're the key moments where you expect your battlers to, to win you the ball back and for them for them to go I, I know we're, when they're picking at a couple of really minor incidents in the game and, and there was much bigger problems generally but that, that was a summary for me of where you needed players to step up and, and just do simple things correctly and the fact that we weren't able to do that and and obviously, the, the defence at that point is just an absolute shit show behind them. But so, so many areas that we could look at in terms of tactics and substitutions and individuals. But I think Keith's absolutely right to, to pinpoint Solomon Rondon as being one of the, the major issues for Everton, not only today, but for the next six weeks, because that is the absolute minimum that we're going to be seeing this fella for. Oh, yeah, it's just, I mean, you're going back through the goals and I'm trying to remember myself which one was which, but I think, I think Mo's sort of touched sort of there, Matt, that I thought was interesting and the, you know, Everton gets a 2-1 and they don't like try and go for a third goal and press and hurry and try and win the game that way by getting a third. They go back into the shape and they try and sit and, and defend and frustrate. And the annoying thing is that when they go and do that, they just get picked apart again. People manage to, to pull through them again and then, you know, that was Everton trying to defend and trying to stifle Watford and trying to make it hard for them. And we just got legged everywhere. Yeah, and a big factor in that is that when that second goal goes in, like our second goal, Richarlison's just come on, scored a classic centre-half, um, centre-forward header. Like, the whole crowd should be like, come on, this is it, smell blood, go for it. The crowd was flat, and a large part of that was because the man that Richarlison had come on for. And it's the first time in quite a while I've heard booze for a substitution at Goodison. And it's a watershed moment for Rafa Benitez because it was the wrong sub. There was three other plays he could have brought off without really changing the system. And yeah, it just left us all flat and the crowd wasn't really up for it. And I think that was a big part of why the players just didn't really take that next step and push on and push the momentum. And 
just let it slip through. It, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't picked off. It was just slipped through. And especially their third goal, I was looking around going, I wasn't saying he must be offside, because he wasn't. I was saying, how is he onside? You could see it sort of like happening, couldn't you? Like was, 10 seconds before it happened. He was in about 80 yards of space, yeah. but onside. And I don't know if it was Ben Godfrey's, like Ben Godfrey was keeping a very deep line the whole game. There was a couple of months towards the Gladys in the first half where we were screaming at him like, play him off, play him off. Because they were just playing the lone striker and he was just letting them have the free run of the pitch by keeping them onside. But, yeah, it's just... He, look, he looks a good player, that lone striker. <laughs> God. It was ever thus, wasn't it? It's just... Yeah. Just, it's just gonna one, be thing, one thing about the substitute that you said. I think the main motivation, obviously, for Everton making a change when they did with Anthony Gordon was to try and nick a goal and, and that's obvious and we did that. But I think what you've got to account for when you're making that change is obviously something that Matt said in terms of how that affects the entire mood of the stadium and I, I get that that goes out the window if Evan score a goal and go on to win the game like we nearly did but the the thing that you've got to think about when you're making that change is what elements of control are you managing to have on the game and I think with Anthony Gordon playing that sort of relatively well-balanced position out wide, it, he was obviously being effective, but the, the team looked well-balanced. And I think what, what we did when, obviously, Richardson came on for, for Anthony Gordon, but what happens when you go 2-1 up is that you've still got a striker who is anonymous and won't contribute. And if you go 2-1 down at that stage, you've still got a striker who's playing up top and is essentially a ghost footballer. And... I get it, you, you leave your striker on because there's that eternal hope that he'll manage to touch the ball and, and get a shot on goal, but I've seen absolutely nothing from that fella that makes me think he's our, he's our one out here, he's the one who could poach a goal. And I think it, his performance was, not only today, but in previous games, it was, it was beyond the threshold of being able to stay on the pitch. How he has managed to earn another 92 or whatever it was minutes of football out of this football club is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, and I suppose it, you know it's. I think any of them had deserved grief today, um, but I think, like you said before, in regards to you know we scored two goals today at the end of the day, and it's on the defence, isn't it? You know that that defence today and the way they set up and the way they collapsed late in the game. You know all of them, Coleman, Keane was just he plays that great pass for the uh, for the go ahead goal, but. Oh, there's a point in the second half where Josh King was running through on goal in the, sorry, in the first half and he ran away from the ball he actively ran away from, from Josh King and he's just his, his head went a little bit Godfrey's just clean off the same player and Luca Dean's probably been getting away with it for a while now based on how he's been the last couple of seasons and it was just it was just so ragtag and you know I think, I think Matt hit, hit nail on the head earlier with that word it was unprofessional wasn't it? Yeah, and, and that's essentially it. And, and I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. I, I think it's quite easy to say that the, the warning signs for us came in the Villa game, where we did much the same thing. Uh, panicked, conceded three goals in quick succession. But honestly, I think the warning sign for us was game one of the season. Southampton went 1-0 down, and we are incredibly lucky that that goal came a few minutes before half-time because, again, fell apart, didn't keep the ball well. And I think... That's, for me, that's been the big red flag that's been coming up for me every single game we've played is the, the amount of possession and the quality of possession has been poor. There's been too much panic, and Benita said this last week after the West Ham defeat, too much panic, too much trying to get the ball forward because it feels like the right thing to do. And again, as, as Moses said, there's, there's no outlet there. There's, there's no reason to play the ball forward that fast. Um, and what it means is we're, we're playing with 
45% of the ball against Southampton, 46% of the ball against Burnley, 48% of the ball against Norwich, 45%. I don't know what the possession stats were today, but I think we gave up for the loss of the ball. 50-50. Is it 50-50? And there you go. And that's the, if we have 55% of the possession today, we win the match. And, and that's essentially what the difference is. And that, that's the control that we're talking about when we, when we talk about how you make your, your substitutions. And you know what? I, I get it that he, he probably makes us all look stupid because we boo a substitution and then we go 2 1 up and obviously should win the game at that stage. But it, it's, it's so scattergun and so thrown together at that stage. And you, you might get your moment of inspiration, which Richarlison gave us. But you know, if Solomon Rondon was making the runs and being as dynamic in the 18 yard box as he should be, like Richarlison showed him what we're doing after four minutes of being on the pitch, then we don't have to make these sorts of erratic changes in our setup but just just one last one on, on the setup I think that the thing that we said on the back of losing Decore was that playing a two in midfield that didn't have Abdelai Decore in was going to be incredibly dangerous and what we saw today was two bang average performances from Alan and Tom Davis and that, that that is essentially the area of the pitch where you're not necessarily expecting Everton to dominate that, that at Old Trafford away like we did a few weeks ago but if, if you are to totally nullify teams like Watford and Norwich and lesser quality sides coming to Goodison Park that's the area of the pitch that you just have to absolutely dominate in and I don't think either of them looked comfortable at all today I think we, we obviously saw glimmers very early on of Tom Davis doing that Abdelai Decore-esque role that we've seen this season in terms of getting forward and getting involved in the attacks and it was like two years ago like, exactly that, that, that obviously was very promising at early stages but I never really felt that we held any form of control in the game after that moment yeah. what's uh, really terrifying for me is that Benitez felt he could only make two substitutes today and I'm sure it's the same last week wasn't it yeah. didn't he make two substitutes really last week was it what yeah. he does not have 14 players he can trust all the players on the bench can't trust them and, and that's a concern either with the manager or with the quality of the players we've got because you know at some point today um, I, I actually agree with bringing on Richarlison for Gordon because it allowed Gray to go out wide where he's more effective um, but the sub- second substitution should have been bringing off Rondon and bringing on the central midfielder packing the midfield not allowing Watford to to press and to and to you know, transition the yeah. players quickly as they did because they allowed to transition through the midfield very quickly. If we have three in the middle, we nullify that. He couldn't trust anybody at his disposal other than the two players he brought on Richarlison, who starts if he's fully fit, and Awobi, who's an on off starter. And that's it. You know, if the manager doesn't trust that many players and we are relying on 12 or 13 players. We're going to continue having problems week in, week out because, like we've seen, the likes of Rondon and probably Gordon and more besides cannot do the job for 90 minutes. And we'll concede a lot of late goals for that reason, I think. I just, I, there's, there's so much blame to go around. I don't think we've got a long enough podcast to like touch on everyone that needs it. Um, like, like it's been, Luca Dean was shocking. Um, he was absolutely abysmal today. He just, he just ran the ball out of play for no reason, not three or four times. Yeah, he, he, his basic ball control was just non-existent. Godfrey, I don't know whether he's had COVID or fucking amnesia or like he's been in a coma for a while or something, but he was absolutely honking at the back. Um, genuinely, I don't think Michael Keane had that bad a game until the last like 
football. The third goal, he was sorry, he was left two on one, and I didn't see much after that. Crack, <laughs> cracking, cracking uh, assist for Richarlison's goal. Fair play to him. Um, that was Keane. That was Keane's cross. It was a great ball. Um, just yeah, like what I want to touch on is they've got this young lad on the bench, Lewis Dobbin, right? He didn't play for the under 23s last night. So we're now hampering his development to sit on the bench and not come on when you've got a striker who's ineffective. What is the point? Why involve him in the squad? Let him play for the 23. Stick another goalkeeper on the bench if you're not going to bring him on. Fucking hell, I don't think we've got any more. Like, yeah, just like, I don't know. Bring Sander Vesterveld back, stick him on the bench, give him a short-term contract. Carlo Nash. He's got it. If you're talking about substitutions and trust, like Ed was saying, the, the absolute obvious substitution when you go 2-1 up in a game like that is to take your totally ineffective striker on and bust your midfield out. And if we're talking about trust, quality, fitness, whatever it is with him at the moment, how Gabamon is not getting on that pitch today is way beyond me. And I, I know that I've got absolutely nothing in terms of viewing this lad to tell me that he is the right footballer to bring on in that situation but if that's not the situation where he doesn't get any game time today then I'm honestly not sure what's what the point of him yeah. just like if you're that worried about him give him a breathalyzer before he comes on yeah. do you know what I mean just you, you make, make him, sure make him fill out a two, a two question questionnaire question one are you rocked on two are you quicker than a traffic cone <laughs> if you pass both of those you're in uh, and we didn't have any of that today. God. It's, um, oh, it's, it's shocking, yeah. I mean, just, just sort of to finally wrap it up, because I think obviously going to do a lot of talking about this game this game, week. Man. But it's... Um, <laughs> I mean, I was, just, I was just sort of going to finish off by saying that Goodison Park, when it's having a meltdown like that, is... I There's mean, no it, place on earth like it. I mean, I'll come to you first on that, Keith. I mean, it, 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 is, it is quite the place to, be, to behold, isn't it? I mean... There were some unbelievable scenes of people just going off the red by me. You know, I think Ed was saying that Seamus Coleman was nearly having a scrap with a fan at the end, pointing to the badge and doing his rallying cry on the pitch after the game instead of waiting to do it um, in the club press. But, I mean, it's... it's it's, it's horrible and we're all gutted and everything obviously but you can't help but admire the way in which we lose our heads sometimes in those situations I'm going to miss it so much and I mean genuinely right the club is like missing a huge opportunity here if they don't get involved at Bramley Moor and have a safe snarling section <laughs> down the front for the Daz. So on, on the survey like, when it's like, what do you want to see from the new ground? Yeah. Like, Can you bottle hostility <laughs> and take it to the dogs? The booze pen. <laughs> a, speci- a specific area of the ground where all the horrible old Daz can go and just be vile towards footballers for 90 minutes. Um, and I'll, I, do you know what? The, the narc end. <laughs> Genuinely, I was I was quite close to it today. I've 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 said some things today that the small children sat around me should not have heard, and I regret not a thing either because they deserved it. Every single one of them that was on the end of my vitriol deserved it, especially that referee. And this is what I'm. This, this is what I'm going to finish on. I don't know who he was. I don't want to know who he was because I might try and find him. But genuinely, that is absolutely horrific refereeing performance. That first half, 
is about as bad. I think he got every corner decision wrong. Like, literally every Do you know what? Genuinely, like, every single decision he made, it looked like he took two or three seconds and then just guessed. (laughs) And just sort of, he almost tossed a coin in his mind and went, nah, let's go that way. Went that way the other time. And, oh, it was just, it was just, Horrendous. There was there was one in the one in the first half where I think it was Dean played the ball into um, Gordon, right? Gordon was taken out by a defender, or it was a coming together, and he gave a goal kick. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but when Dean played it, wasn't it like deflected and it was going for the corner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Gordon was shepherding it out, got taken down. Yeah, it come off goes, the full back. Gordon, it come off the full back. Gordon fell over, like whether pushed or fell, and he gave a goal kick. And I just like genuinely, my head went for a walk at that point. <laughs> That's the problem with getting the stuff in is that you're not allowed to moan about the referee being shite. Oh yeah, no, really. because it wouldn't have affected the, the, the results, but it was still not acceptable. It's cathartic to call league. him an absolute bastard for that <laughs> because he was and he deserves it. And do you know what? I hope he has a horrible night tonight. I hope he goes home. I hope he goes to make himself a cup of tea. He flicks the kettle on it and the fuse goes in the plug. There's no milk. <laughs> oh. No, no, the milk can be there and the sugar and the tea bags, but the fuse is gone in his plug, and he can't make. He can't get the kettle to boil. And then he tries to make a. He tries to boil a pot of water on the hob and scalds himself. And then I hope he falls over and breaks his leg. I think we should stop before this gets any more violent. I'm done. Enjoy your night, guys. I don't quite know how to follow that up with a footballing point, but just the very last thing I'd mention is that we're getting. We, we are very much back in the Roberto Martinez and Marco Silva era of all the fails of set pieces, yeah. And if, we, if we're talking about battling emotions from Goodison Park, I think that collective dread when opposition players stand over free kicks or corners is very much back with us whether that's Yerry Mina's omission whether that's a, a tactical setup from from the difference that we saw last season with the Carlo Ancelotti side that looked relatively content even if it was setting up on our own goal line but it worked and whatever is happening at the moment is absolutely not working and it's, it's, it's one of a number of things that Rafael Benitez needs to get right very quickly yeah. maybe we can just get David Angelotti back because apparently he did all the set pieces didn't he but, uh, but I just want to tell people as well about what happened with Colin at the end because um, I don't know if anyone's seen this but it sounds like there's a few meltdowns in the Bullens as well yeah, interesting scenes in the lower bullens at the end where uh, even while the play was still going on, there, there were a lot of fans giving Coleman an earful because obviously he was the closest player. And Coleman was responding in kind and was getting very animated and uh, only just got within earshot. But he was, uh, he was essentially shouting, I know, I know, over and over again while repeatedly tapping the crest on his chest. And it wasn't quite the rallying cry I was hoping for you know it, it wasn't it wasn't the final scene of an action movie sort of thing but um, he uh, he had to be shepherded away by a, by a steward who just said off you go and he sarcastically clapped the lower uh, the lower bullens at the end um, but that, that was that was very much a, a sign of the frustration and it's interesting because um, my fiance doesn't want to come to Everton games and she says she doesn't like football but I've made the point to her that it's not about football you can watch the disintegration of a human mind in real time and it's an unparalleled experience there was a man in the lower bullens near me today who for the entirety of the final five minutes plus added on time screamed joke 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 over and over and over again and it's incredible I looked at him I thought he was broken I thought he was like a clockwork model 
And I wanted to take him to like a Michael McIntyre gig and, and make him scream that McIntyre until he actually makes a real joke. It's a request. Yeah, as, as a, like make a joke, lad. But it was really incredible. It's, it's quite funny watching people fall apart in real time. But I'm, I'm really hoping everybody goes home now, has a drink or seven, you know, reflects, thinks about what they're going to do tomorrow. Maybe do something nice. Enjoy yourself. Go shopping. <laughs> Buy something. Go and buy something you've been thinking about getting for a long time. <laughs> if you're listening, Rafa, get yeah. on it, lad. Yeah. Um, maybe go get Josh King. He's available. Uh, yeah, he looked all right, didn't he? Master, I feel like this has hit you really hard, this, this defeat. No, I mean, it's just, it's inevitable, isn't it? Like, I can see the future. And when Rafa Benitez was appointed... All my way friends were like, oh, Rafa, you know, that's a bit weird, isn't it? I said, I'm going to enjoy the ride for the first few games. It'll be all right. And then it's all going to fall apart and it'll get sacked in November. And we're just about coming to that time now. So it feels a bit disappointing that it's actually happening. You know, it's, it's like, it seems like a cliche to say it's like watching a car crash in slow motion. It's not really like a car crash. It's like being a manufacturer of cars, knowing there's a fatal defect in the cars, watching them go out. And then seeing one driving down the road and thinking, ah, oh, that's about to crash that. And then it happens. That's Rafa Benitez under Everton. Like, we are all invested. We are all culpable. We knew this was going to happen and we went along with it anyway. We have no one but ourselves to blame. We knew so we'd be doing this. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We are still a bit of mind football club, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> It's about eight weeks away from a soccer ball performance, that, isn't it? All, all of the Ronald Koeman's Everton at home to Arsenal. <laughs> Everything about that today had it, but apart from timing and the season. One thing I'll say is, at least it's not taking three years now. It's like diminishing returns. It's getting narrower and narrower. So I look forward to us doing this, talking about Steve Bruce's first game in charge in about six weeks. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, Wow. We'll, it down. we'll leave it there, yeah. Just just end, just fold Everton if you're listening. Uh, just just pack it all in. Um, Focus on the charity stuff because Everton in the community is a great thing and it's arguably the only positive thing that Everton do. So just like knock the football on the head and be a charity full time. I would love to do a po- like a podcast after every award the charity win. Like that'll be great. Just talking about all the boss things yeah. they're doing, like you know, the Everton USA T-shirt look boss as well. Uh, so every cloud, Everton, every cloud. The worst thing about them though was you had to watch the video that came with it, and it involved Tim Howard's save against Southampton that is somehow lauded as a magical save, despite the fact he nearly got lobbed in his own six-yard box. He nearly got lobbed in his own six-yard box. Anyone who thinks that's a good save needs, like, walking around the park for a while. We're all, um, yeah, I don't know how we ended up here, but heads have, heads have gone. Uh, we are in a bad place. We are in a bad place. Just watching Man City absolutely tear through Brighton as well. I had the perfect microcosm of Everton, like, behind me, about... It was just after the third goal went in for Watford, and um, this dad turns to his little girl and goes... Don't worry, I'm, I'm sure we'll win next time. And she goes, well, there's still five minutes left. And even before she finished the sentence, a voice came back from the upper gladys at the back and just screamed, fucking hell! I was like, yeah, that's Everton. There we go. Uh, fucking hell indeed. Uh, we'll leave it there this week. Um, plenty of time to discuss that in the week. Oh, dearie me. Um, hopefully the lads have brought some levity to that. 
and certainly have for me. But cheers to Moe's, Matt, Ed, and Keith. That is your instant match reaction for Everton 2, Watford 5. Unbelievable. Uh, we'll speak to you again very soon. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.